Brady, welcome to my first show of 2021, the, the year that may be worse than 2020. We'll, we'll have to find out how are you doing. I'm doing great, man. Yeah, 2021 is uh, off to a, a fantastic start so far, I will say, in the world of politics. But th- thanks for having me on again, man. It's always a pleasure. Oh, I mean, now you have a webcam. It's just a delight to, to see your beautiful face on my show. Like before, it was audio only and so much mystery surrounding you. Now you're a real person. It's always cool. I, I'm finally joining the 21st century, <laughs> 21 years too late, apparently. I mean, the century is going to be over before we know it. So hang on, hang on to your boots. Before we uh, <laughs> jump into the political stuff, I know, you know, you're a big football fan. Uh, I'm a big Packers fan. And so this last weekend was a little tough for me. I wanted to get your thoughts on, I mean, you're a Steelers fan. You deal with heartbreak all the time. So any advice for how I can deal with this? Yeah, it was a heartbreaking month football-wise. But yeah, man, I um, yeah, that Packers game was tough. One, I can't stand Tom Brady as a Steelers fan. He's kicked our asses in the playoffs one too many times. I just, you know. But uh, yeah, man, kicking a field goal with two minutes left on the five-yard line when you're down two scores and you were still down a touchdown with the field goal and Tom Brady's the opposing quarterback. That, look, I, I know the Packers coach, what's his name, LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. I know mm-hmm. he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, so I'm not trying to play, you know, Monday morning head coach. But, <laughs> yikes, that one, uh, I don't know, I think that's going to haunt Packers fans for a long time. I just don't understand, like, a few of the decisions – so like, with the decision to go for a two-point conversion halfway through the game when there was so much time left and it turns out a point really mattered. And then when you've got who I think is the best quarterback, probably not this year, but in recent memory in Aaron Rodgers, I think he made Brady look average in that game, just putting them side to side and to not put trust in him instead to expect Brady to give the ball back in two minutes. I, I couldn't understand like, what I was watching. It was one of those moments where it's, it's like the game was lost by the coach and people are rallying around saying it was the defense's fault like the green bay defense was the best i've seen it in a very long time like people who haven't been paying attention the green bay defense is what has lost us game after game where rogers have put up 40 50 points and that's not enough to win like we had what two interceptions in a row and then three and ounce and it's, oh it's, i'm gonna need yeah, therapy after this brady yeah man tom brady threw three picks y'all should have won that game i think i i'm just i'm firmly a believer in like if if your quarterback is that guy if he's a you know first ballot Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Big Ben, yeah. you know Russell Wilson, one of those guys, top guys, Patrick Mahomes, it's like they've earned the right just to have the ball in their hands. Yep, for better for worse. I mean, just let Aaron Rodgers. Lo- if you're gonna lose, make sure Aaron Rodgers loses you that game, man, because you've got a first ballot Hall of Famer at quarterback. Those don't come along, you know, too often. I mean, there's a as a Steelers fan, I mean, there's a long, how many years between uh, Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger? It was like 35 <laughs> years where they didn't have a quarterback. I mean, you got to enjoy having a quarterback when you've got one and just let him win or lose the game for you. That's well, Especially one who has won the game so many times. It's not like oh, yeah. Rodgers doesn't have a history of pulling it out in the last minute. It's... See, now we get the Chiefs against Tom Brady. I, I mean, I don't know who the heck I'm supposed to root for. I mean, you can't root for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the empire, right? I mean, you're getting the Empire versus Sauron in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's like, could one under, I mean, I was hoping either the Packers or the Bills would have made the Super Bowl just to give us something to root for as sports fans. Because you just can't, you can't root for Tom Brady unless you're from Tampa Bay or Boston. Born and raised there and currently live in one of those two cities. And you can't root for the Chiefs unless you're from Kansas City or you're a member of the sports media. So like, I don't even know as like as football fans, who the heck we're supposed to root for in the Super Bowl. It'll be an awesome game. Don't get, I'm, you know, I'm going to watch, I'm not complaining, but it's like, oof. I mean, I wish they could both lose. 
one more year and then maybe maybe we'll have another Steelers Packers rematch and you and I can get a little heated. I'll just keep predicting that on the podcast every year and then one of these times I'll be I'll be correct. 35 years I, I didn't, time, I, have someone after Ben. Yeah, I, I didn't have a podcast back in 2010, so I would have <laughs> predicted uh, correctly 10 year or 11 years ago if I had a podcast at the time. So jumping into something far less interesting, frankly. So the world of politics we're in now, Joe Biden, as we neither of us predicted, is now president. Uh, that's that's something fun that we've got to deal with now for four years unless Kamal Harris sneaks in. So what are your thoughts of his first few days? It was a pretty, um, but for someone who claims to be so normal, so calm, so moderate, it wasn't the most calm and moderate couple of days. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, if you're looking at any of the other plethora of Democrats that ran for president last year, I, I mean, if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or any of these people were elected, I, from the executive orders to the, the culture war stuff to the cabinet picks, I, I mean, I mean, if this was Warren, what would look different? I, honestly, I, I'm not just saying that to, to be hyperbolic. I, I just don't know um, if the agenda would look any different. What is it, six days in? Mm-hmm. Um, if it were Bernie, if it were President Bernie Sanders, I think you're getting Bernie Sanders politics with the added alzheimer's of joe biden so it's like it's 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 the worst of both worlds at least six days in he's the the delicious dessert you get after the meat and vegetables of the radical left so what stood out to you is is the the most shocking choice because i think biden came in and you know on the first couple of days destroyed like eleven thousand jobs by shutting down the keystone xl pipeline which is always delightful when you talk about importance of union jobs and then pushed pete Buttigieg out who's the who's now head of the Department of Transportation because he likes Ticket to Ride. Like that's, that's his one <laughs> qualification. And he just said, oh, well, we've got to deliver on our promise of jobs. I mean, this is just the democratic playbook. They destroy everything they see, salt the earth, but then promise you that in X amount of years, which never actually materialized, they're actually going to give you more jobs. Uh, this is just the same thing, right? Over and over again. Well, first of all, I've driven through um, South Bend, Indiana, literally, 50, 60, 70 times at least. Um, Cause it's, you know, two hours down the road from where I live in Toledo, Ohio. Trust me, the roads there are trash. I mean, some of the worst potholes I've ever seen anywhere in the country. And I've been to, I think 46, 47 States, something like that. I've been everywhere. So it's like, and trust me, those roads around that area, you know, Northern Indiana, some of the worst anywhere in the country. So it's hilarious that he's a, a secretary of transportation, but you know, I, I want to get into the, the energy stuff. Joe Biden's mm-hmm. all out of salt on energy in a minute, but with the executive orders, it's not surprising because Democrats do what they say they're going to do. You got to hand it to them there. But like some of the executive orders are for the explicit purpose of kicking sand in our faces as conservatives. And there's no other purpose. Like there's no other like policy goals in mind. I mean, the executive order mandating that schools allow boys to compete against girls in, in girls sports. It's like that. Nobody wants that. I mean, like, like the students don't want this. It's not really an issue. I mean, there, there isn't this like epidemic of transgendered people just dying to compete against girls or something like it's not, this is a non-issue. They're doing that just to, just to laugh at us, just to mock us, um, to mock common sense, reality itself, you know, lot reason itself. So it's like, you almost have to respect the Democrats. Like they, they are vicious. They're vicious culture warriors, man. They are knife fighters. I mean, they're doing something that will hurt schools that will hurt students and parents and they'll, it'll hurt their own cause for transgender rights and stuff like that, just to get in a jab at us. 
just to just to piss off Ian Hayworth. You know what I mean? Really, I mean, <laughs> I, unless I'm missing something, it seems to be the only reason why an 80 year old Joe Biden is is fighting these cultural war issues as, as hard as he is. You know, day one. Well, it's just about time a, a white man in power destroyed the great bounds that feminism has made to to put right. men back where they should be, which is destroying women on a football field. I mean, that's really what <laughs> we all want, right? We want like 300 pound guy who just decides he's a woman one day, smashes the shit out of, of a woman on a false field, and we can all celebrate the equality. I think that's what we really want as Americans. I think we really need some more uh, what friend of the show, Zuby, um, what, what he did over in England about how he, he identified for as a woman for 30 seconds to break the, the UK's deadlift record, women's deadlift record. We just need to start doing stuff like that. Make a bunch of viral videos like that of us breaking, you know, female athletic records. And maybe that'll put the left in their place or not. Probably not. I don't know. These not. people I mean, don't really learn lessons, I don't think. The big thing I know you and I talk about all the time is the, the power the media have in situations like this. I think if we had an objective media, a lot of this nonsense would be called out for what it is. But have you ever seen an overnight change like you've seen the media from the second Biden got into power. I mean, I don't know where to start. The the press conferences with the with um, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, asking him what kind of ice cream he likes, whether he's excited about it, whether he misses campaigning. I mean, these are hard cutting questions from our hero journalists. I'm, I'm so glad that they're fighting the hard fight. The thing is, I obviously we've seen the transition and how they cover the White House. I mean, it, it was the same kind of transition from Bush to Obama, from Obama to Trump. But they're taking it several steps further this time around. And it's, I swear, this is the least, fa- my least favorite thing about journalists. Who I, I, I view journalists the same way, you know, people in biblical times viewed the Roman tax collectors, right? Just the scourge of the earth, <laughs> the lowest among us. That's how I view journalists. But, um, I've never said they've never done what they're doing now, which is like they're making the case against their own employment. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're bragging openly in the New York Times and the Washington Post and, and CNN about how they're not going to cover the White House. They're like, well, we don't have to cover it. They're just going to, you know, Joe Biden will tell us the truth and Jen Psaki will tell us the truth and we don't really have to do our jobs. It's like, OK, so you're making the case that you don't your profession no longer exists or needs to exist. <laughs> like, that's so strange. And it's like it's piggybacking off of. um the phenomenon we saw for four years during the Trump presidency where journalists would pretend not to understand jokes. Like they would say like Trump would tweet a joke or a conservative would tweet a joke and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is Hitler. Like they would pretend like they don't understand that the person they're covering was being sarcastic. So it's like, okay, you're to advance the, the, the socialist propaganda, you're willing to claim on TV that you're the dumbest person on the face of the earth. Like, that's so weird. Like, as podcasters, you and I, we spend a lot of time trying to convince our audience that we're smarter than we really are. You know, like, that's kind that's of what 95% we do here. of it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, and, and so we saw for four years the, the corporate press doing the exact opposite. They're trying to convince their viewers and listeners that they're, like, mentally handicapped to the point where they can't understand comedy. They don't understand the comedy's comedy. And then they're, they're, they're escalating that. Like, they're going a step past that, saying, like, journalism is no longer relevant. We don't need to have jobs. We shouldn't be employed. And it's like, bold move. Like, yep. <laughs> like what a strange tactic to take <laughs> are my friends on the left. Like, it just, it makes no sense to me at all. Well, it just shows that they're, they're effectively like worker bees for the cause, yeah. right? And they, they've done their job. Like the man they want is in power and Kamala Harris will be after him almost certainly. So they've done their job. And now journal, the, the purpose of journalism is not to uncover the truth. For them, the purpose of journalism is to promote 
their set of ideals and their principles and their view of reality. And so there's no need, they have no purpose. Now they can either go into hiding or probably find various roles in the Biden administration, which I'm sure he'd be only too happy to do. Um, I just spare a moment for Brian Stelter right now. I mean, have you seen his Twitter feed recently? He's like, he's like a lost child who kind of, still people are still listening to, but he doesn't really have a purpose. So all he's doing is no. trying to drag Trump back into relevance. And it's sad, like poor Brian Stelter. I mean, the fact his show is called Reliable Sources, I get a kick out of that every single day. I think it's the most I mean, delightful name show. The old saying, my dad would always tell me, you know, when you're pissed off, the other guy's playing golf. I mean, literally mm-hmm. like they're, they're upset. Like Trump is just spending his billions eating lobster and playing golf and drinking diet Coke or whatever he does. You know what I mean? So it's like, Hey man, it's over. I don't know what these people are going to do. It was, I'll tell you what, one more, one more thing on the press, the, the masturbatory celebrations <laughs> on, on an inauguration day. Oh yeah. Were, hilarious i mean they were like it was like soldiers coming back from war like it was that's how they view themselves it is hilarious they're like high-fiving each other on twitter like we made it we survived (laughs) heroes you know we've defended the republicans like you got your people are like i i you know i I compared them to the roman tax collectors in the times of jesus i I think that's giving them too much credit because the roman tax collectors are probably at least intelligent i mean like these people need to be viewed like carnival barkers or like some what's worse than a, what's like a less reputable profession than a carnival barker like there's not a lot not a lot know, that I don't, don't know, exist man. in in, left, in the left i swear i mean when these people are done with the profession of journalism they're gonna have to call it something else i mean we're gonna have to retire the word journalism come up with another yeah. word to describe what it is these people once claimed that they did for a living well what i found so interesting since you brought up the inauguration was just how bold-faced they are in oh, all yeah. the past four years rhetoric being utter nonsense, like the American flag, the Betsy Ross flag, suddenly not racist anymore. The national anthem, suddenly not racist anymore. You have Lady Gaga coming out like a scene in Hunger Games, literally dressed in a costume from Hunger Games and like bowing to politicians. And it's just, it's all so gross. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I know you're probably the most anti-monarchy person I know in the world. So this <laughs> must cause you physical pain watching this. Of America seems to be instituting monarchy level figures when they're on the left. And then when they're on the right, they're Hitler. I mean, Spike Lee compared Trump to Hitler. It's like, well, okay, show me the hordes of Jews that are being carted off to be murdered, and then maybe I'll take you seriously. Like, I'm so fed up with the Holocaust being used as the left's metric for anything that's bad, while they, of course, ignore all the things that they do that are actually quite aligned with the, the radical right or the fascists or the Nazis or whatever extremist group you want to use. It's, it's exhausting, and I think they play against us with the fact it's exhausting because eventually people just give up and like, Oh, whatever, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm equally offended by everything Spike Lee has produced in the last <laughs> decade plus, but <laughs> yikes. But yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I think you, you've said it on, on my show as well, that we predicted that, you know, the, the press they're at a crossroads. They could either go back to the Obama, see no evil, hear no evil, report mm-hmm. no evil stuff, you know, oh, he bombed a Doctors Without Borders hospital in Yemen, not going to cover that. Oh, bombed a 16-year-old American citizen in Yemen, Yeah, eh, bombed a wedding, no way, no, who cares? Uh, you know, those are brown people across the ocean, nobody cares about them. So, like, they could have gone back to that, or they could have gone, like, full Chinese Communist Party-style mm-hmm. state, state-run media. And, like, like you said, it's, like, monarchical. They've gone past, like, <laughs> like, Russian, like, RT, like, state Russian media, well, like I, I, I know this sounds awful to say. 
RT reports more news <laughs> than our press. Like they're past state-run media, and they are. It's like monarchical. It's like they're they're court jesters in yeah. in the 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 courts of of King Biden. Like it's they've gone past state-run media into something medieval, <laughs> you know, in their their view of how they view democratic politicians. It's just hilarious, and and it's just it's it's just bananas. It's mm-hmm. bananas because at least. Obama seemed like a cool guy. <laughs> like he was at least like a young charismatic dude. And he was the first black president and all that. Dude, Joe Biden's the worst and he's been the worst. Yeah. Like we remember, I mean, not us, you know, we were very, very young at the time, but like him getting his ass handed to him by Clarence Thomas on live television for a few weeks back in, you know, 91 or whatever that was. It's like, I mean, he's been awful. He's been on the wrong side of history on everything for 30 years. He's just a corrupt old man who's been in DC for too long. Like he's not even like, I mean, I get it. Like if it were, I don't know, like if Hillary Clinton would have won, she would have been the first female president or she, you know, like something that they could grab onto, but he's just a, an old man with Alzheimer's who's been in DC for 40 years. It's like, I just don't, it's such a stretch to try to turn into, turn him into this hero. Well, he's just everything that's wrong with politics, right? He's someone who has done really nothing. I mean, if you look at his life, he was the youngest ever person to enter the Senate. I think he came in at 29. They had to wait for him to be 30 to to get in. So since he's 30 years old, he's older than all of the other presidents who attended the um, the inauguration. And he's starting his administration. So we've got the old issue. His brain the, is falling apart. The fact that he's our first non-baby boomer president <laughs> since George Herbert Walker Bush, but we're going in the wrong way. We're going back. He's too old to be a boomer. He's the gener- he's the pre he's the silent generation before baby boomers. So it's like, my goodness, you people. Yeah, all right, man. Well, what's the old phrase? Democracy means the people get what they want and I hope they get it good and hard. Well, mm-hmm. All right, buckle up. Well, I think they're going to, because I think, I mean, going back to some of the things Biden has done recently, I think the Keystone Pipeline is a big one, just destroying jobs. What I find so strange is there are obviously people who voted for him who are surprised. I mean, Republicans, when they get into office, don't tend to do anything. They, no. I think a lot of Republicans like to be coming from behind, like to be losing and complaining about it. Democrats are pretty great at coming in and on day one doing exactly what they wanted to do. Joe Biden mm-hmm. came in, set fire to a bunch of jobs, and people are surprised. When will people start to wake up to the fact that Democrats will do what they say they'll do? And if yeah. you vote for them, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, Democrats have a long history of doing exactly uh, what they say they're going to do. I don't really know anybody's surprised. And it, it did surprise me a little bit that all this happened on day one. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he'd been president for less than an hour and he issued the executive order to stop the Keystone XL pipeline, which, uh, I mean, immediately laid off 11,000 uh union union workers um who all obviously the the unions all endorsed every single one endorsed biden and donated uh, tens of millions of dollars to the biden campaign and um all right hey maybe you should have taken a look at the other guy ladies and yeah. gentlemen I, I really don't know what to tell you and obviously this pissed off our friends up in canada as well it actually caught, I, th- I believe it's going to cost more canadian jobs than uh than american mm-hmm. jobs um, a, a higher percentage of the Canadian economy is dependent on energy as, as opposed to the United States. So we're really screwing them over. Obviously, the ban on fracking as well. There's a lot of Native American reservations that make the bulk of their income on mm-hmm. um, leasing land um, to companies that, that do fracking. So you're literally you're you're bankrupting entire Native American tribes yeah. on day one. I mean, within an hour of becoming president. These are the union jobs that you promise to protect and the, the you know, the quote unquote oppressed minorities that you you pledge to defend and you just give them a giant middle finger 
a, a punch right in the gut yeah. an hour into your presidency. Just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff from the left. My goodness. Well, it's just, I mean, if firstly, if Elizabeth Warren was there, of course, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. But the way the Native Americans just get screwed over time after time, and, and especially by the left who claim to be pro-minority and the great defender of all those who are downtrodden, I actually think it's hard to, obviously, it's going to be between African Americans and Native Americans in terms of who's most downtrodden, who's been most discriminated against. But the continued oppression that they're dealing with and the fact that no one cares says a lot just about how the left's claim about um, fighting discrimination is, is really just nonsense because ultimately they care about communities they can get votes from. That's where all this talk about DACA is coming from. Joe right. Biden's not doing it because he actually cares about people. He's doing it because he's hoping he can basically enroll 11 million new voters overnight. That's what this is all about, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, all that's going to do is kill uh, kill the job market for the African-American community because a lot of um, lower income blacks. And then obviously um, recent immigrants are competing for the same jobs. So it's like everything, everything you pretend to stand for, you do the exact opposite if you're a Democrat. And then I don't know, you blame it on Trump. I, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, you know, obviously when, when Obama took office, it's gonna be interesting. And this is just a thought I had, but you know, it was, it was pretty easy, um, for Obama to blame George Bush for everything. It, mm -hmm. He, he, <laughs> He kept it going a little too long. I mean, in the middle of his second term, he's been, you know, been president for six, seven years. He's still blaming George Bush for everything, which is a little ridiculous. But, you know, there, there was this this, uh, you know, eco economic collapse in 07, 08. Obviously, we we're entrenched in these ridiculous wars and stuff like that. It's easy to to blame your predecessor. But I mean, I just don't. It's going to be my, obviously the press is just the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. But I don't know how you blame Trump for, you know, the, the Chinese coronavirus. Um, and I don't know how you blame them for Democratic governors shutting down, um, you know, their economies. And then you obviously can't. I, I don't know how even our press, as brain dead as our press is, I don't know how you spin the negative consequences of Joe Biden's executive orders on day one into blaming his predecessor. I just don't. That, that'll be a heavy lift. I, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see Brian Stelter throw his back out a couple of times trying to make that lift. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how effective think they are. I'm not sure uh, Brian Stelter's used to, to doing anything too physical. I think he's kind of glued <laughs> down to that chair at a slight yeah. angle, leaning forward intensely. On the subject of coronavirus, since you brought it up, I think that's another really interesting flip-flop that the media have just let go by. I mean, I, re I released a Truth in 60 Second video the other day of Biden promised us for months that he had a plan on COVID. He was going to handle the virus. He was going to get rid of the virus. He was going to like solve all of our problems basically overnight. Like Voting for him was the cure. And now he's changed his tone. It's like, oh, it's it's not there's nothing we can do anytime soon. We never had a plan. Yeah. And it's just the yeah. bold-faced lying and the fact that journalists won't pick him up on it, but that's a given. The fact that the, the fact that worries me is that people, normal people who vote, see this and don't don't twig. They don't think, oh, this is garbage. That's what really worries me. Because I think journalists aren't, we've talked about this for a long time. Journalists have always been the same. They're just a little more obvious about it now. What worries me is that people don't see this for the nonsense that it is and then change how they vote accordingly. That's what worries yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to um, just attack the voters, but um, the coronavirus pandemic did teach me a lot about the American electorate. And I don't like anything that I've learned <laughs> um, in the past year. And, and uh, uh, who's on the show? I think, yeah, Drew, me and Drew Holden did our, our, uh, the the last podcast of 2020, we did our award show mm -hmm. for the year, and uh, we we gave ourselves awards 
on uh, the, the worst prediction that we made, our, our worst mistake publicly. And I said with confidence uh, in March <laughs> that the American people will not put up with the, the lockdown stuff for more than three weeks. I said maybe three weeks, two weeks, maybe three weeks. You know, it was 15 days to slow the spread. I'm like, they, if they drag it out to 21 days, okay, but the American people will rise up. They're going to go back to work. They're going to go back out. They're not going to put up with this. Now, man, this is not the America that I thought it was um, before March of last year. It's just not. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that country exists anymore. Um, there are still pockets of people in this country that do care about individual liberty, that still do care about property rights. But it's just, it's fading. We're losing. You know what I mean? We are losing the republic um, in that regard. So I think the, the American people were so easily propagandized. They, they were, they're so scared. And they, they were okay. I mean, they were okay with... Um, my, my governor, Mike DeWine, who, who's he's a leftist. I don't care what if he has an R in front of his name. Um, I mean, he, I'm not allowed to leave my house after 10. We have a 10 o'clock curfew in the state of Ohio. A Republican governor is doing that. He has a 75 percent approval rating. The only it's people insane. that dis, the only people that disapprove of Mike DeWine are libertarians and Democrats who want a full stop, a full like New York mm-hmm. communist lockdown because some you know restaurants are allowed to be open until. Then and they're allowed to have 20% capacity or whatever. So it's like the only people that disapprove of Mike DeWine are people like me and uh, Democrats who want communism. Everybody else likes him. And it's like, that's vile. That's disgusting. Like, I, I, I expected more of my countrymen and it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks, man. I, I thought we were a much different country than we are right now. And we, we have a lot of work to do. You know, it's we, the few of us left that care that they care about founding yeah. principles, they care about property rights. We have, we have our work cut out for us, my friend. Well, I think I, I said to this, um, this to you on your show the last time I was on, this all comes down to responsibility. I think as a society, we're very, very good at just doing anything to avoid taking responsibility and avoiding something that's difficult. So with mm-hmm. COVID, I think, I think COVID is real. I think it's a real issue that has a yeah. variety of different ways we can deal with it. And people saw that and thought, okay, well, I don't want to make decisions. So I will just abandon all decision-making, all responsibility to people who are playing politics with our lives. Like that's exactly what happened. Democrats saw this as an opportunity, really their last opportunity to get Trump out because he had a, a barnstorming economy that was, we, you and I found it very difficult to see how Trump possibly loses with that economy behind him. This was their last, their last um, Hail Mary play and it worked. And the concern here though, is that people will, ignore that because they still want to avoid responsibility, just accept it as a given that now Democrats are suddenly opening up. Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, all these states, um, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, they're all suddenly deciding, oh, now we need to open up. Now the economy is important. People have be- are like pawns on a chessboard for these people. And they need to realize that because they, are not- they don't have your best interests at heart. They will happily let your business or your home or your life be destroyed if it gets them a vote. That's what happens with the Black Lives Matter riots. They How- do not care about us. How is it legal? I mean, I, I, how is it not treasonous to shut down your economy for the specific goal of defe- defeating your political opponents and then reopening your economy as soon as you've defeated your, your political opponents? I mean, that, that's not only just evil. I mean, just unadulterated, pure evil. I, I don't know how that's legal. I mean, like, I, I, in a just world, in a just country, that valued freedom, Gretchen Whitmer and Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, I mean, they would be in chains. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know how these people are walking around as free men and women. I mean, it's, 
I don't know. <laughs> if America was the America of even 20 years ago, I don't think they'd be free men. Well, I think it doesn't even need to come down to a legal issue. I think it needs to come down to a cultural issue of just, no, I'm not going to do that. Like these yeah, politicians no. can, can play their games, but people are, I believe, responsible enough to say social distance from those who are high risk to pour support behind things like vaccines, which I think are like bipartisan objective ways to solve problems like this, but also understand that like, there are economic factors which have a greater impact on life than lockdowns do. And it's, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Not- the thing is, too, what what is it's surprising to me that the American people don't understand this. It's not just that these these left wing elites are telling people what to do and they shouldn't obviously constitutionally be allowed to do that. You, you, it's not the governor's job to tell people what to do. It's that these elites are not impressive human beings. You know what I mean? It, it's so funny that you like it, it's just it, it's it's hilarious that people will do what Andrew Cuomo says. Yeah, you're what right. Gretchen Whitmer says and what Anthony Fauci says, Anthony Fauci is an idiot. He's been wrong about everything since last January, January and February into the beginning of March. He says, don't worry about it. We're not going to have a problem with this virus here in the United States. And then he goes a month and a half saying, don't wear masks. Do not ever wear a mask. Masks don't work. Now he's saying you have to wear two masks, two masks. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't believe that. And everybody with a half a brain in their head knows that he's not being serious about that. He's literally, he's making fun of you. Mm-hmm. He's making fun of you. And if you're listening to me, Anthony Fauci said that, that you should wear two masks because he's making fun of you and your family. He's laughing at you. That's who these well, people it's, are. It's all the emperors have new clothes, right? It's, that's exactly what we're living with right now. It's like everyone wants to appear through a system of virtue signaling, appear like they're on the right team. So people will put, I believe in science stickers on their cars and on their lawns. Okay, define science. Because (laughs) if you understand anything about science, the way we're doing things is like, we might as well just be writing policies on a dartboard and throwing them at a wall and seeing what sticks. Because nothing we have done, except for pushing vaccines, again, in record setting time that usually take 10 years, we did it in 10 months in the United States, while all other countries were just twiddling their thumbs, waiting for America to save the day yet again. And President um, Donald Trump delivered. People laughed in his face, including you and I, I believe. I didn't think it was possible that we were going to have a vaccine in that short of time. No, neither and, did I. And look, we have, a va- we have two vaccines that are 95% plus effective. The alternative in the UK, they were celebrating is 62% effective. I mean, you want a chalk and cheese comparison. That is what America is doing for the world. And nope. We've got people who aren't following the science talking about masks, even though most cases masks don't work unless you have the proper ones with filters. It's just all a joke. No one understands what science is. They just want to follow the leader so that they don't have to take responsibility and don't have to make a hard decision. Right. And the th- like, I'm not anti elites. I'm not anti doctors. I'm not. A- I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm anti politicians. I'm a libertarian. But like, it, it's it, like the problem. Yeah, a lot of us on the right, we complain about the elites, the coastal elites. It's not even that elites are bad. It's that these elites are ridiculous human beings. Like they're silly yeah. little people who don't, who aren't very bright. I mean, yeah. it's like I'm like I'll listen to. I mean, I asked my doctor, my my family doctor. Wait, what should I be doing? You know what I mean. We had a good conversation because he's a very smart guy who I trust. You know, Dr. Fauci, who's been wrong on everything, every step of the way. It's not that I mean, it'd be obviously he's a little petty wannabe tyrant, but that's not even the bad part. It's the fact that he's an idiot. I mean, like, yeah. The dangerous part of Dr. Fauci is that he's an idiot who's been wrong about literally everything. Like elites aren't bad. Unimpressive, unintelligent elites are bad. 
well it's elites who have something behind them and i think that's the problem right um i have certainly with politicians and you look at joe biden's new cabinet this is the issue is that you have people who have no experience beyond the experience of being in government joe biden has no experience beyond being a politician Pete Buttigieg has no experience being beyond being a mayor of a tiny town, and then he almost became president. Multiple members of Joe Biden's cabinet have no experience at all. Like the um, Secretary of Agriculture, he was the governor in Iowa, I believe. Like that is his experience in agriculture, the fact that he was a governor in a, in a state that has a lot of farms. Like that's the level of exp expertise I we have require also, people who run the I show. Have, I have grown vegetables from time <laughs> to time. So... I'm just as qualified as the son of a gun. Yeah, it is just really, you know, they're just picking names out of a hat. I mean, there's always a little bit of like, there's always a little bit of that. Like, you know, Ben Carson. Yep. Bud secretary. I mean, like, I like Ben Carson, but I mean, his qualifications are that he's a good dude who's lived in several homes before. It's like, okay, well, that's Betsy DeVos, obviously, was just a <laughs> mega donor, um, you know, billionaire yep. mega donor. And so she was secretary of education, you know. Quite frankly, she turned out to be maybe the best appointment uh, Trump ever made. So that's, you know, that kind of it was, I guess, the, the exception that proves the rule. But you, there's always a little bit of that, mm -hmm. but not to the same ex extent. It was just anybody who endorsed the Biden campaign. They just threw all the names in the hats like, all right, you're secretary of state. You're, you know, and on more than anything, um, I'm concerned not just with the executive orders, but also these these appointments, these cabinet appointments. Foreign policy is going to be yep. a problem. I mean, I am I'm nervous for our troops. I'm nervous for America standing in the world. I am even more terrified for the innocent men and women throughout the Middle East. Um, I mean, the, the couple hundred thousand and that's that's being generous. Um, women and children dead throughout the Middle East uh, as collateral damage in these wars. Apparently, that's just not enough. It's just not enough blood um, for Joe Biden. I mean, the, the incoming Secretary of State and the incoming Secretary of Defense, I, I, I believe both of them still support the war in Iraq. It's like, look, I know I'm a libertarian, but I, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Ian. I mean, I think if you, it's 2021. Like, if you don't believe that the war in Iraq was a mistake, you're unfit for public office. I mean, and I, on any level in the United States. I mean, I think, I don't know how you can make the case for the war in Iraq at this point. So it's like, the people Biden is surrounding himself with, the the opinions that Biden's held for decades and decades in the mm -hmm. Senate and as vice president, he's been in favor of every bad war and against every good one. I mean, it's like a day one, day one, last Wednesday, yeah. he orders more troops into both Iraq and Afghanistan. We we're down to about 2,500 troops in each country. Um, he's about to double that, I believe, from what I've been reading. So it's like, and obviously they, they, they're going to try to uh, rejoin the, the Iran deal. I don't know how it's going to yeah. work with, with the new treaties between Israel and, and its Arab partners. I don't know how that's really going to work, but it's like everything he's doing. It's like, you can't concoct a worse foreign policy than Joe Biden's. Yeah. Like he's like, he's against all the progress we've made under Trump. He's for every unnecessary war and he's against Israel signing peace deals with Arab countries. It's I, I just don't, I mean, if you were like, hey, concoct like an extraordinarily evil Middle East policy, I would suggest exactly <laughs> what what Joe Biden's planning to do. So I'm, I, you know, I, a lot of, of Biden's policies make me nervous. His foreign policy should terrify you if, some, yes. if you're somebody who wants peace and freedom. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be my, my uh, last question for you. On the issue of foreign policy, I think that's something we're both very, very worried about. As you say, Joe Biden's been wrong consistently. 
and he's bringing back a host of other people who have been wrong. I mean, John Kerry has that famous um, clip of him sitting back arrogantly saying how peace in the Middle East will never be possible unless uh, the Palestinians are brought to the table on equal footing. Donald Trump comes in, blows that out of the water. They are so concerned with being right over taking new information and changing for the better, for the greater good, that they will happily set the Middle East on fire just to try and be right. And I think that's what we're going to witness. Barack Obama was appalling for the Middle East. And now we're going to have Joe Biden coming in, who is obsessed with the idea of having another apology tour. And Iran, one of the most evil dictatorships on the face of the planet, are going to be making demands of the United States. And I believe that Joe Biden is probably going to give in. We're talking life and death when you're talking foreign policy. I mean, you're talking life and death when you're talking domestic policy as well. But physical bombs being dropped is what we're talking about here. I don't care how much Joe Biden dislikes his predecessor, Donald Trump. I don't care how orange Donald Trump is. I don't care how how badly Joe Biden wants to erase Donald Trump's legacy. The fact that he's willing to get thousands of people killed to do that is profoundly evil. I, I don't know what I, I know. Mm-hmm. I throw that word around a lot, probably more than I should, but I don't know what else to say. Oh, I think especially on matters of life and death, there are no other words, because yeah. that's quite, when, especially when it comes to foreign policy, I think we can go back and forth on all kinds of domestic policy. It's very rare that that gets people killed, even though the hyperbole is always that they're coming for your health care, things like that. When it comes to foreign policy, it is involves guns, involves bombs, involves real people, and yeah. usually a lot of innocent people along the way who are seen as expendable by these politicians who have often no experience in any kind of defense or foreign policy, just playing a game of checkers thousands of miles away. And it's not, I mean, it's no coincidence that Biden's first two initiatives were to send more troops to the Middle East and destroy America's energy independence. I mean, I, it's like this guy was built in a lab to piss me off, Ian. (laughs) It's like, okay, what policies are going to drive Brady Leonard ballistic on a whole bunch of podcasts? Let's destroy America's energy independence and send a whole bunch more troops to Iraq for no reason. That'll do it. That, that'll next that'll week do it. Next week he'll ban fishing and just give you the, the hat trick <laughs> yeah. just to set you off. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, he makes the Pittsburgh Steelers illegal for some reason and says I'm not allowed to go fishing. I mean, really, just bring it on, man. Come on. My goodness. It's going to be an interesting year, I can tell you that. Well, I, I can't wait to keep on top of everything with you. I know you have to get going. So thanks again so much for coming on to the first show of the year. It's going to be great just to keep talking throughout the year on everything that's going to be probably mad and probably maddening. But where can people find your show, which is fantastic? I'm on there quite a lot. Uh, where can people find you online? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Can't wait to do this again. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Brady Leonard. Um, you can follow my podcast page at No Gimmicks Pod on Twitter as well. And it's the No Gimmicks Podcast uh, every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all of them. Uh, so definitely subscribe. Twitter, keep in touch. You know, talk some shit. Let's have some fun. Until we're all banned. I, Until I only we're all banned. Twi- I only got a, out of a Twitter jail the other day, so I'm, I'm counting my <laughs> blessings. Until we're all banned, and then, we'll, then we'll all be pen pals. It'll be okay. <laughs> Go back to the USPS. It's going to be a booming uh, for them, jobs-wise. All right, thanks so much again. I can't wait to have you on the show again. Appreciate you, my brother.